You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 148 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And returning, it feels like it's been an age since we've had him on the show, it's Jay. Hello. I know, I can't remember. It must be three weeks or something now. It, it was three weeks because I think you were off for a week, then we had a week of technical issues, and then you weren't on last week, or something like that. I don't know, it all blurs into one. But yeah, it's been three weeks since you've been on, Jay, so well, welcome back to the show. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be back. There's been a severe lack of elves mentioned <laughs> on, um, on, on the podcast these past couple of weeks. Although actually, I think me and my I may have mentioned elves a few times in reference to your good self, so they haven't been completely um, redundant. They, they, they have had a mention. Uh, so on this week's show, we're going to be talking a little bit about Necromunda, because I believe you have a brand new book, Matt. I do. It arrived from the high board itself today with House of Shadow. So I've had a couple of hours now pouring through the book, and uh, yeah, it's a good one. So that is going to be our main segment for this week. Our top three this week, we're going to be looking at our favourite miniature games starter sets. So quite a varied one. We're not just restricting ourselves to Games Workshop. Um, and we will be reading out the community top three picks towards the end of the show. We also have a fantastic new segment, if only for one bit of news, which I'm going to, you know, try and contain myself and not mention too soon. But it's awesome and it's got wings and it breathes fire. And we're going to talk about it later on. So really, really excited for that. Um, But before we get stuck into the news, as we always do when we start off this podcast, we talk about what we've been doing in the hobby for the past seven days. So, Matt, what have you been up to? Well, this this is a tale of two halves. The first half is uh, the Elder Scrolls Call to Arms. I have gone in hard on the Elder Scrolls. (laughs) So I've been uh, painting some Draugr. I actually almost finished them on the, uh, the stream the other night. They really just need basin, and then uh, they're done. So that's my adversaries for the delves that I want to do. I also built up a load of storm cloaks. I built up all the different adventurers that you can play as. So yeah, really, really excited to play some games of this. I actually had a game with my brother um, last week as well. He came round uh, first time in ages. I played a miniatures game with him, but he's a massive Elder Scrolls fan, and we we did one of the introductory delves out of the book. I was playing the Dragonborn. He was playing an imperial kind of knight with uh, heavy armor and sword and shield. We managed to get into this delve and fought through some draugr, got some treasure, very nearly got killed by the boss and went to escape again. <laughs> Such a good game. It really, if you like Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, Morrowind, Oblivion, you know, all that kind of stuff, it really captures the feeling of the video games. You've got different um, perks and talents and stuff that you can purchase and different gear that you can loot and, and change out and do some lock picking and yeah it's it's such a good game very much kind of narrative focused and i think that's probably the best way to play it the, the adversaries are controlled by ai but it does say that you know try you, you could easily move them to game the system but it's a try and move them as they would react in the game and I think that's the best way to play it. Not seeing it as a competitive thing, just a way of reenacting the kind of stories and dungeons and stuff out of Skyrim. So, yeah, really, really impressed with that. 
Uh, the other half of the stuff that I've been working on this week, unfortunately, assassination teams would be sent out to uh, dispatch me if um, if I did utter them. But maybe next Monday I'll be able to talk about what else I've been working on. Stuff. Really, uh, really mysterious there, Matt. Very, very mysterious. Uh, Jay, you've not been on for a few weeks. So what have you been up to in the hobby? Um, I might have to think back now for a few weeks. <coughs> so... Um, I have mostly been painting Grey Knights, I think. Grey Knights and some Stormcast. So I've been working on, in the last three weeks, my um, Purifier squad, which are completed now, 10 Purifiers. Um, I had an old Castell and Crow model, which I think you gave me, actually, Dave, a metal one, which I sort of converted up a little bit to be wielding a regular Nemesis Force weapon, a Force sword. Uh, he's been painted now. Uh, I'm thinking he'll be like an early Crow, and then when we get the new Castell and Crow model, which um, is up for pre-order on, Sassy, I believe, with the Hexfire set. Yeah. Um, I'll have like an early, a young crow and a and a, and a current Castling crow. Um, and then um, the uh, been working on uh, my Nemesis Dread Knight. So I converted this one up. I, I like the Nemesis Dread Knight. I think it's a really nice kit. Um, but I, I've never really liked the fact that you sort of it's 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 quite a um a static pose that it's got. Um, yeah. Very difficult to do anything with. There's no like um. Uh, options in, in in adjusting the legs or the, or the arms or, or, or very much. It, re- it really doesn't look very dynamic, does it? No. Um, so I, I I basically chopped up um, all of the legs and arms, uh, chopped all the cables off, and and then shaved bits down and repositioned them. So I think I've, I've got a much uh, a pose I'm quite happy with, where he's sort of like almost like stepping forward with his nemesis force sword, great sword held out behind him, and his side cannons raised, blasting some demons. Um, this guy's nearly done now, so um, I've just got to finish the sword and um, a, a bit of the heraldry, and then that's the Nemesis um, Dread Knight finished. Um, and then when we got the, was it last weekend or the weekend before when we saw the um, the two new Stormcast Dragons? Um, last week. It was, last, it was last week. It was last week. Yeah. Oh wow! Gosh, when I saw those two models, they just they completely blew me away. I was not expecting. Um, the dragon models to look so good. Um, I, I almost feel like they fit in, uh, you know, a, a traditional fantasy setting. They, they're not, apart from the, the the caster type one with the stormcast armor plates on. They could you could use these dragons in any kind of Dungeons and Dragons setting. They're really really cool. So that straight away got my creative juices flowing, and I thought, well, I can paint them green like wood elf dragons and have them like emerald dragons. Put a load of silver f spikes and forest bits on them. And then I thought I got my um, Dominion Stormcast out and I started, um, I had a box of Wildwood Rangers upstairs. So I got all the pieces down, chopped up the banners, swapped the heads around to create like a, a Realm of Life sort of themed Stormcast army uh, to, to go with these two dragons when they came, when they come out. Um, so, so yeah, so that that's sort of what I've been doing in the hobby these last couple of weeks. They look really cool as well. I can't wait to see this, uh, yeah, foresty Stormcast army done. Yeah, I think. I think it's gonna look really really cool they're really nice jade i really like your gray knights i think you've done a great job on that uh dread knight reposing uh, oh, yeah, a lot more a lot more dynamic um i've had um a quiet ish week i've carried on painting clan rats um i've only got five to finish and then oh, nice. unit done um i have also started painting my storm fiends as well i started doing the skin on those 
Um, I really hoped I'd have these done by now. I don't know. I don't seem to be getting much <laughs> hobbying time, so they're taking me a little bit longer than I anticipated. Um, and then also, um, he's been sat in a box for far, far, far too long. Um, I decided to crack open Kragnos and um, got him built. He's been sprayed. I really wanted to do his base first and realised that I'd run out of Mechanicus Standard Grey. So um, I need to get some of that this week and then I can spray the base and I'm going to paint the base and then I'll paint Kragnos um, second. Because I think it's easier to paint Kragnos if he's painted to his base, if he's glued to his base. But I don't want to glue him to his base. I've finished his base, if that makes sense. So um, that's the plan. I want to get the base done first. But it should be quite straightforward. Um, Good time to get Kragnos going with the I dragons on the way. All of the re-rolls against the dragons. Um, so... Uh, and then, like you, Jay, I saw um, the dragons that came last week, and uh, I've been fighting the temptation to build my Dominion Stormcast. I really, really want to. And then the stuff that we're going to talk about later, which only really drives me more yeah. to want to get my Stormcast out and build, um, so I can start painting them slash your Vindicators. Um, I have sprayed a Lord Celestin, an old classic Lord Celestin, which I'm just going to try a slightly new scheme on. Um, so I, I don't know when I'm going to get around to doing that, probably after I've done Kragnos and, and finish my uh, Skaven 600 points, but um, that's definitely on the, the near horizon. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's really been me in, in, in the hobby. I've, I've placed an order for some Warlock weapons. Nice. Um, Necromunda. Obviously, we're a bit of a Necromunda episode this week. Uh, really looking forward to them arriving. I'll, I'll then finally get the rest of my Warlocks built and sprayed and uh, hopefully by then I, I might have cleared some of my backlog so I can I can start painting painting those which should uh, should be fun. But that's really it for me. Uh, we do have quite a lot to get through this week, so we're going to take a slight pause and I'm going to come back with a raw some new section. So we'll be right back. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, we've got quite a chunky one this week. Uh, for pre-order the, the big ticket item is hexfire we talked about this last week it contains 207 pounds ish of models and that's assuming that the two character models are 25 pounds each which might be a little bit more than in their actuality costs 105 pounds i think that's a really good price for that battle box to essentially get an everything half price mm-hmm. get it from element or somewhere you can probably get it for 80 quid ish mm-hmm um, so yeah, really, really good. Even if you only collect one of those factions and stick the other half on eBay, they're always a pretty good buyer. These uh, battle boxes, aren't they? And they're yeah. where you guys are eager to get your hands on it as you play both the factions from within. <laughs> and you know what? If you play both those factions on the same day on Saturday, Codex Grey Knights and Codex Thousand Sons are also up for pre-order. Um, it seems a while since we've had a Codex. We had Sisters as uh, a battle. Yeah, a month ago maybe. But of course we had a quite a Age of Sigmar focus with um. The new and, and the uh, the new starter set and all that kind of jazz coming out so it'd be nice to have some uh, new 40k content and these are quite two quite uh, compared to like astartes and chaos space marines they're both quite different to those factions aren't they in the way that they work yeah so yeah the uh, the crusade content will be good i wonder if there's some overlap with the crusade where they interact with each other maybe more so with gray knights and demons but there might be some kind of uh interaction going on in there like in we saw crusade. with the dark eldar yeah Elder, yeah steel territory yeah that would be cool i don't think we've seen much details about what the different crusade i think there was mention about some nemesis gray knight a demon nemesis that you 
tracking down or something like that, but I guess we'll that'd find out cool. this week in the community articles. That'd be especially cool if the demon player got yes. that nemesis in their army. That yeah, would be. that'd be really cool. I remember the third edition, the first Demon Hunter Codex, there were rules in there when you were playing that your opponent could include some demons in their list for yeah. free. Or a possessed uh, character that would be the target of your uh, yeah. war. That, that seems like a no-brainer for the Crusade content for the Grey Knights, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it, yeah. So, so yeah, they're really cool. Um, alongside them, we've got data cards, as per usual. And we've got some dice. And I've got to say, the Thousand Suns dice are quite snazzy. I do like them. Oh, yeah, they're really nice. Yeah, I mean, the Grey Knight ones are, are, are pretty good, but the Grey Knight's dice are, are so nice. So, uh, yeah, are you tempted by a pack of them, Dave? I'll be picking some of those up on Saturday, yeah. It's been a while Amazing. since I bought any dice. I think I'll be grabbing some as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of like in the blue, the blue yeah. steel kind of look for the Grey Knights. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, for Blood Bowl, we've also got a few bits. Not much, and it's a bit of a shame. We haven't seen any new plastic kits for Blood Bowl since the new starter set came out last year. Which seems a bit unusual. We've had a few yeah. like spotty releases like this. Today we've got the Shambling Undead cards, dice, and pitch. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot to say there. I'd have liked there to be some more kits that have come out more recently, but um, I guess what they're doing is updating all the the last edition cards for the new edition cards, which did feel a bit of a kick in the teeth when they essentially changed the stat line for Blood Bowl, didn't they? Making yeah. all those old cards redundant. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, we've got some miniatures to talk about later on, but, yeah, I'd have thought we'd have seen a plastic, I don't know, Chaos Dwarves, Tomb Kings, North, there's, there's some cool factions that we haven't got kits for yet. So maybe they're, maybe they're saving them for, for later in the year. Uh, for Forge World, um, for Middle Earth, we've got some cool releases, which looks to be in um, kind of in front of the, the, the next supplement coming out for Middle Earth that we know is set around um, Erebor, during the period of the War of the Ring, which is really a period we haven't seen much of for that area. Obviously, we know it from The Hobbit. It's interesting to see what's happening there. What is it, 30 years later? And um, in here we get the Knights of Dale, who are the uh, the warriors of Dale's elite warriors. They look really, really cool. We also get King uh, Brand and Prince Bard II, being the, the son of Bard. So, uh, yeah, these are some cool characters and, and an idea of what we might get uh, in the supplement. I think it's I think it's Dale and the, and the dwarves versus the uh, Easterlings, isn't it, from what we've seen so far? Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's the last couple of weeks I've been having the itch to get some Lord Rings. I've been looking on eBay for some cheap um, Iron Hills dwarves. Um, oh, nice. I know for, for my birthday, Matt, you very kindly got me um, King Dane, Ironfoot and Thorin the Third. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking I, I might put this guy together over the next week or two. And like I say, I'm looking out for some because it's quite expensive that the Iron Hills dwarfs are from um, mm-hmm. Forge World. But if I can get some a bargain on eBay, I might start putting together a little dwarf army ready for well, that. You never supplement. know. There might be some plastic support in this range. Maybe a new plastic dwarf kit. Ah, you might be right there. Yeah. Because yeah. you know they have been putting out they haven't put out any units in plastic yet for uh, Middle Earth, but. It's not out of the question, and they are older kits now. Yeah, uh, likewise, I've got I've got some mummocks, I've got some Easterlings, so I uh, I might put together a force as well, and then play through the uh, events of this book because it sounds like a fun one. Yeah, I enjoyed the games of Lord of the Rings we had before lockdown a long time ago, um, mm. and I wouldn't mind giving it a, a try again. And, and new maybe it's a good jump on point as well, isn't it? It would be yeah to get into it. Um, 
and and I think I think you can get away with small small model count battles as well. So maybe it might be good to try out on the um, Saturday stream. Yeah, uh, yeah, what's it called? Battle Companies, I think it's called in Middle Earth. Yeah, we should do that. We should we should get back on the Middle Earth bandwagon. Yeah. Ready for this uh, this new expansion to come out. It can't be too far off now. We've seen a few models come out. Um, it's hard to predict a lot of the release schedule at the minute, isn't it? So yeah, we had a bit of a um, a preview today of a new Blood Bowl model. It's a resin one, um, and it is um, now fans of Warhammer Fantasy will know this character, Sila uh, Angfringrim. If I can pronounce its name right, it is a is a corn demon that is featured in across all the ages of Warhammer, and apparently has hit the uh, the Blood Bowl pitch as well. And it's a really cool model, kind of like bounding up and crushing a poor elf underneath it. <laughs> poor elf poor elf yeah it is a funny model isn't it it's a uh, it's quite a almost cartoony model, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it was kind of exaggerated facial expression i like it it's i, I like the, uh, the 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 shocked looking elf on the floor kind of about yeah. to the ball but being an elf though he's still got a hold of that ball even though there's a massive <laughs> demon on his chest because <laughs> that's what elves do yeah, yeah I like think that. Blood Bowl is probably the perfect setting for that kind of model, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, Age Sigmar takes itself quite seriously most of the time. There are a few funny Nurgle models and whatnot, aren't they? And, and the, the same for 40k. But Blood Bowl, you can sort of have a bit of a laugh, can't you? And I think that model, so I think it's found its proper home. Yeah, exactly. Now, the thing, the thing that obviously we did mention there's been a lack of teams, and I think they've wanted to introduce like new teams to Blood Bowl. Could this be maybe a precursor to a Corn Demons team for Blood Bowl? because oh. ah. that'd be cool wouldn't it yeah it'd be very cool very new i might be completely wrong but i i, I remember them saying that they didn't necessarily want to just retread old ground and put out some new stuff yeah which makes sense yeah so so that's pretty fun um guys we've been playing warhammer for a long time haven't we but you know there's there's, there's some younglings who are getting into the hobby and um Games Workshop have launched a new a new kind of system called Battle Honours. If you're new to the hobby, you go to your local Warhammer store and you get a booklet that talks you through collecting, building, painting, playing and reading about the hobby. Uh, where basically it kind of like a, I guess, like a Scouts or Duke of Edinburgh Road style thing. There'll be um, 50 activities within the book and you complete 30 of them across your hobby journey. And then every time you complete 10, you take it into your local store and they give you a reward. And these rewards look really good. There's like dice trays and dice and storage boxes and, and range rulers and little kind of wallets and stuff. If I was a youngling getting into the hobby, that'd be amazing. I'm, I'm yeah. sure uh, your your youngest might be up for that, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've probably been a bit long in the hobby to uh, get away <laughs> with blagging away into doing battle honours, I think. <laughs> it's a shame i would have liked some of those uh items myself but yeah i think it's a great incentive um to get to get little ones into the hobby because it's quite a creative hobby as well so i know it's i know it's not the cheapest hobby in the world but i think there's a lot of pros to it yeah and you know some like some of the activities are like battle ready paint paint your first model to battle ready standard and they'll ask you what paints that you use and you have a little chat with your store manager and it kind of it eases people into the hobby and i think that's a really nice like accessible way of doing it because there was nothing like that when we started was there no nope so yeah i'm, I'm very jealous of uh, all the people who'd be able to do this it's uh it's pretty cool um if you've been in the hobby for a while though and you, you, you're not a newcomer 
why not try out Armies on Parade? Now, I've said every year for the last, like, five years or however long they've been doing it, we really should enter Armies on Parade, guys. We really should, shouldn't we? Yeah. Well, funny you should say that. The submission window opens on the 1st of October and runs until the end of October. They have changed the rules a little bit this year. So you get the um, equivalent space of, you know, the, the, the tiles that make up the various increments of um, both Realm 40k. Oh, like little rectangles. Yeah, the rectangular tip. So obviously Realm of Battle is kind of not legal size now for most games. So it's uh, 40k and AOS and Kill Team and um, um, Warcry all use multiples of those those tiles. So now the surface that you've got to use is the equivalent to one of them. Okay. Um, and you could, it says you can just use one of those tiles, put your army on it, take pictures of that, and that is your submission. Obviously, you can go to town and build up a big sculpted 3D impressive looking thing but i think it's more about the the way the army looks as an army and how they're painted and, and what you put into it rather than necessarily the prize going to the most elaborate kind of structure which is nice i think they're going to have a different number of awards and stuff they've got an award show on saturday the 20th of november where i know last year um, nick and peachy went through all the submissions and talked about them on the show and then they had a, a panel of judges with people from Heavy Metal, people from Warhammer Community, uh, some of the people in the community who are well-known painters, judging them, and then they gave out some prizes for the best ones. So that seems really, really cool. I, I, I think I might give it a go. They've clarified what you can enter as well. So obviously, 40k AOS are fine. However, there's a uh, category now for the best of the rest. So you can submit, for example, a Horus Heresy um, army or an Adeptus Sonicus Maniple or maybe an entire Necromunda gang and have it all posed on some uh, Zone Mortalis scenery or something. Um, so there's a lot more freedom. Pretty much whatever Games Workshop game you collect, you can put together an army's on parade for it. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking I might do a Necromunda one with all my Zone Mortalis scenery. Yeah, you've got a good head start there. So yeah, that's um, I, I want to give it a go. That's something ticked off the list of things that we've uh, we've not done. Then sounds so, ace. Yeah. yeah, I think Necrobundra would be a really good one. So you you guys gonna give it a go this year, maybe? I, I well, would like to. I don't actually have any of those size tiles yet. You could borrow. You could borrow. Don't it's have just, any, you, yeah. don't even need the, you don't even need the tile. It could just be an area on on a dining room table of that equivalent size. Cool. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I mean, I, I've said it for couple of years i'd like to do it we'll, we'll see if i actually get around to doing it this year but um it's definitely on my radar okay there's one more bit of news though guys now oh. i don't know if you've watched a video over on warcom today but james workshop hates horses <laughs> he thought he prefers a horse what he, people should ride instead of horses only ruddy dragons God. last week we saw two named hero dragons for the stormcast and today we saw something even cooler. <laughs> a Knight Draconis, who is a, a, a hero choice for the Stormcast, who is riding on a dragon. And you know what he only bloody does? He unlocks Storm Drake Guard, who are Stormcast riding dragons, as Battleheim. They've got such a good silhouette these models. Yeah. And they're proper dragons. Like, yeah. 
they are absolutely you look at them and you're like yes mate that is a dragon yes mate that is a dragon <laughs> yeah I, can't, I, I don't disagree they they look really really good it looks like it's one kit that builds either the name character or the uh the rider what's really cool about these is it looks like there's like three different combinations of like leg poses and the wings go in a couple of positions as well meaning that if you do the inevitable dragon army that every single person will be doing, your dragons will look varied in it with their wings in different poses and their arms in different poses. Yeah. So, yeah, so these guys look really, really cool. Now, I imagine a full dragon army is not going to be a cheap dragon army. But it's cheap in terms of pounds. Cheap in terms of pounds. It's going to be worth every penny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't know any stats or points costs or anything like this, and they are in the uh, the new Stormcast Eternal book, which I believe is up for pre-order in August. But you know, we've got quite a few weeks of August left. It could be the very last week of August, and we have to wait till September to see our beautiful dragons. Um, it's a quick show of hands. Who's doing a dragon army then? <laughs> oh man, I mean, I, I was as soon as we saw those two character dragons live a week, uh, that that was me. Uh, yeah, I was I was on board for them. These guys also look incredible, so you'd definitely be adding units, units of these to your army as well. And I think like most people will have a copy of Dominion, and they've got a Stormcast army that they can start adding these dragons to straight away. And I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, most people who got into Warhammer were big fans of dragons and knights and magic and wizards anyway, so I can see the appeal for everybody, really. Um, and it's just incredible, like the, the sort of—I mean, we've got this one as well. I've not spoke to you guys really about the Uruk one either, the Vulture thing. Mm. And I just can't wait till next year when Age of Sigma Third Edition really gets going and we start seeing, you know, new releases for all the different factions. If this is, you know, this is the the benchmark to sort of beat next year. I yeah. um, heroes and dragons being like the main kind of focal point in games of AOS that we've played. I can see there being a real push for big, impressive monster kits. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's, yeah, you're right. This, this, these things. Are, I mean, the, 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 the big dragons have got the hero and the monster keyword, which is incredible in Age of Sigmar Three. And um, I don't know whether these dragon riders will have the monster keyword or not. Um, but certainly, uh, the, the, the hero will have the hero word. And, and in this, this season that we're playing with Giran, there's the command ability to turn them into a monster as well for, for a phase. Being so. dragons, I imagine they'll have the, uh, the monster keyword. They're quite big models. <laughs> So your entire army then is going to be monsters led by monster heroes. So wow, that's uh, that's really cool. But what's also cool is that if you obviously you can go all in and you're probably looking at like 300 quid plus, aren't you, for a dragon army? Or you could just take a couple of these dragons and stick them into your like you say your dominion army. Yep. Or your cities of Sigma, the Stormkeep rules. Oh, your cities of Sigma. Yeah. Steam tank supported by a fire breathing <laughs> dragon. That sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Answering your your, your question a few moments ago, Matt. Eventually, I might look at doing a fully fledged dragon army, but you know, I'm gonna have to pick up the the big vulture thing that Jay alluded to earlier. I actually think I'll be picking that up. As and I absolutely love dragons, but I think I'll be picking um, the voice of Mork first. I think he'll be my priority. Um, but then, absolutely, I'm gonna have to start picking up some dragons, and, and by then, I'll have got all my Dominion Stormcast painted, and and some of the news. Because let's not forget, there's a whole wave of Stormcast stuff yet to come. That we've got the 
I can't remember the names of them, but the ranger-looking um, yes. stormcaster I absolutely fell in love with, with um, bows and swords. I've got to have to get at least a unit of those guys. Um, so, yeah, building a stormcast army going forward is going to be difficult. It's going to be so hard. There's so much cool stuff. Like the chariots are really cool. The, yep, yeah. um, the 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 great sword armed stormcast. I forget the name. They're called vigilators. Are they called? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then and then these dragons. I mean, I love. I, we've I think we've had on previous top threes in the past. Both me and Jay have mentioned it'd be cool to have an army of dragons. And while I think we were both thinking like a race of dragons not attached to the stormcast, this is a very good second best, isn't it, yeah. Jay? It, it's, yeah, it's good enough. <laughs> I mean, the fact you've got those two, um, the two named character dragons that don't have riders on, so they are just dragon characters. That that's great. That's awesome. That that's that's enough for me. And these dragon riders, they're brilliant as well. But I'm so happy there's a just a dragon that you can just take a dragon on his own. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, you from the battles we're going to see, we're going to have like dragons versus Kragnos, dragons versus um, giants, giants, Archeon fighting dragons. What about, what about an aerial battle? An aerial battle of Age of Sigma, a Camerodron fleet fighting dragons in the air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that idea. So yeah, we obviously we don't know when these are out. Presumably they're gonna come out alongside the uh, the Stormcast book. I have a feeling that both the Stormcast and the Uruk books probably are going to be over a couple of weeks because there's a lot of kits coming out for them. There's a lot of kits, isn't there? I mean, we thought when the Lumineth came out, that's quite a big release, really. But this this dwarfs it, doesn't it, really? It really does. I, it really does. I do I do really fancy, on the build-up to the new Stormcast um, dragons arriving, I really do fancy busting out the Star Drake for a game. We might, I might have to, you know... Get the Stormcast on the go. Uh, one last hurrah with their current battle zone before the new Drake. one drops. Yeah, that sounds a plan. Well, we probably only got a few weeks because the latest this is going to be is the last weekend in August, which is, what, four weeks away? Excellent stuff. Uh, what a way to end the new segment. Cannot wait for those dragons. Well done, Games Workshop. Um, you've absolutely outdone yourselves with those dragons. I know we, we gush over a lot of models, but seriously, they are stunning. It's time to step away from the Mortal Realms and Warhammer 40,000 now because we're going to be delving into the House of Shadow, the latest book for Necromunda, so keep listening. It feels like it's been quite a while since we've had a main segment dedicated to Necromunda. What would have been the last release, Matt? So the last release was House of Faith. However, due to release schedules, I think it came out near and much on top of Dominion. So we didn't actually review it. It's still on my to-do list to review. Yeah. Um, so And before that, with the Escher book, House of Blades, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I think it was. So, yeah. So it's been a while since we've done one of these. But um, finally, in my hands is House of Shadow, the final, I say the final, of the original uh, gangs for Necromunda. Now, I think recently they announced that Going it to the end of the year, they're inventing or bringing on some more gangs, whether they're reimagined old ones or entirely new ones. Either way, this wraps up the initial six gangs for Necromunda. And, you know, they've all come a long way from that initial um, Gangs of the Underhive book, which had all the profiles in. Um, and I think 
we've kind of been waiting for these to come out so that we can all go into a new Necromunda campaign with everybody on a level level playing field because I think it's safe to say that the gangs with these books had a lot more content and core stuff than the gangs that didn't have these books Mm. so yeah yeah, you're right so House of Shadow is the the Delac one now Delac are um are are an unusual gang and and the book goes through kind of the storyline of them in that nobody quite knows, even Delac themselves, the ins and outs of their background. Are they a Xenos race? Are they a weird mutant offspring of a noble line? Is there weird psychic stuff going on? And for House Delac, kind of all of these rumours are true and none of these rumours are true. The uh, the strangest tale of House Delac is that many, many thousands of years ago Necromunda had water on it actual water and oceans and creatures living in those oceans and they were an intelligent race of of sea creatures the the oldest and, and most psychically active of them because they were a very psychic race saw themselves as gods and dwelled in the deeps of the ocean in very much a Cthulhu old god style thing, which is a really cool thing for them to add to the kind of Delac Pack story. So the uh, the various creatures um, that that lived there, some of them were very intelligent. And they realised that either due to climate change or the horrific, you know, solar radiation from the sun, the the oceans were evaporating. So the these old gods went deeper and deeper into the core of the planet where there was still water while the uh, the, the the kind of the intelligent sea life evolved to the point where they could clamber out of the oceans and start digging some underground reservoirs for the water fast forward a couple of thousand years humanity came to necromunda the hives were built what water was left on the planet was just drained by the air uh, the excess of humanity and it became a very grim place to live but rumors say that deep within the planet these these ancient sea creatures still live and that um there was a there was a planet that came out of orbit that passed close to uh, to necromunda and it had a strange effect on a lot of people living within the hives they had nightmares and visions and a random assortment of people who never seen each other never even knew each other but somehow could hear each other's thoughts were drawn down to the deepest darkest parts of the hive where they were communing with these ancient creatures that live deep within the planet they called them the silent ones because they didn't speak they just spoke to them in their minds and these people who'd been touched by this psychic event slowly evolved into house delac now while a lot of the other houses on necromunda deal in you know forging weapons uh, dealing with clones, being religious fanatics, um, you know, looking after the power generation on the planet. House Delac didn't really have a craft as such. They were seen as, uh, while it wasn't easy to hire their services, they were quite clearly assassins. They were data merchants. They um, slowly assimilated another guild who was selling a psychotropic drug Um that that enhanced psychic effects and rather than take them over like a you know normally in the underhive you take them over send a load of heavies in with guns they slowly infiltrated this organization and like mold growing on bread 
the the Dalak spread out and slowly took over until it was too late and nobody knew that Dalak then had basically absorbed this entire uh, guild and killed all the people that weren't related. Then the uh, the eyes of the Inquisition looked upon Necromunda because quite clearly there is a psychic threat going on here. All the members of House Dalak could communicate to each other without talking. They clearly had psychic powers. They had weird kind of pale skin and there was rumours of vampires and stuff, uh, emotional vampires that stole people's psychic energy. And the Inquisition weren't too happy about that. They sent a delegation to Necromunda and then Lord Helmore, the the, the kind of high lord of um, Necromunda, sent them away, sent them packing. And and rumours were that some deal had been made with the Dalak and they would act as his agents and informants and all sorts of shady stuff. And then the book kind of says some of this may be true, but some of this may not be true. And Dalak themselves spread these rumours and maybe mistruths and half truths. And I quite like that. You're reading through the background. There's bits that sound like really cool and kind of Call of Cthulhu-y. But then in the next sentence, it's like, well, that might not be true, though, because Dalak are a bit, a bit sneaky. And I quite like that. It kind of like clouds the truth about them as if. This was a printed book on Necromunda and they've had their influence in it. Just make sure things aren't crystal clear. <laughs> One of the things that we do learn about them is that they have a um, the, the, the lead. My lead of the houses tend to be led by a couple of powerful individuals. The Dalak have something called the Star Chamber, where the most psychically active members of their society will form like a council. And they'll communicate with each other psychically. The key thing is they never share their names with each other. So no other member of the Star Chamber knows who the other members of the Star Chambers are. In the case of an uprising, there's no way to take them all out without wiping out all of House Dalak. Mm. So lots of lots of lots of really sinister, weird Cthulhu stuff, lots of weird kind of cyberpunky stuff going on. I really, really dig that. It's really cool. So it's dark, the, isn't it? It is really dark and it's kind of territory they haven't really seen before in 40k as well. It's very much kind of, I suppose, hard sci-fi that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, what we what we, we know in here is that whatever is deep within Necromunda, whether it's a negative to, to the planet itself or it's an alien intelligence or it is some kind of god, it possibly does exist. There's records of explorers that have gone down into the depths and found these weird, like, statues and temples and, like, chitinous material. And, yeah, it, it kind of sounds like there is some, like, old god dwelling beneath Necromunda that's communing with all these House Dalak people. It mentions in the timeline that it seems that this rogue planet that's fallen off its axis is going to pass across Necromunda again. And again, last time it caused this massive psychic event the house delac think this could wake the silent one obviously there's there's the underlying thing is this some kind of tyrannid entity that's controlling them? this is the first stages of a you know like gene stealer court uprising but again being house delac they're kind of leaving it ambiguous and i really like that yeah it's really sometimes cool. sometimes I, by having everything really like spelt that. out it kind of ruins the mystique doesn't it it does yeah so it leaves well, it open to it, it could be chaos, it could be tyrannies, it could be an ancient alien race that we don't know, and that's fun. I think um, I'm sure Necromunda was something to do with the Imperial. I think it's an Imperial Fist chapter world, isn't it? Or it is, could... yeah. Ah, strange. Okay. I don't. I think Dawn did Dawn land on Necromunda. Did, no, Inuit wasn't it? Dawn landed on. Ah, okay. 
yeah so um so obviously they've gone for a different background vibe i mean back in the original hecamundra they were very much like your typical matrix style cyberpunk guys in long leather trench coats with all the guns but now they've got and then they were thinking the later editions there was rumors of them being vampires i like that they've kind of got all elements of these and then added this weird kind of sinister are they maybe alien or chaos tainted or something weird going on thing to it as well Uh, and that goes into the rules as well so um as with the other house of books they've changed up the gang list to make them more interesting because in those original ones you really only had a leader champion uh kind of a ganger and a juve where they've now expanded this out your your leader is now called a master of shadow and he can for 30 points be a psyker which is really cool you you know psychic powers are rare in necromunda and they have some impact so having psychers quite widely available within your gang is a really cool thing options wise you can pretty much take what you used to be able to take the the psycho things the real change there um likewise your champions are now called phantoms and they're the same they can take any of your special weapons and they can also be psychers as well so I think this is going to be the most psychically active gang that we've seen so far in the game. Obviously, they're going to be quite expensive. I mean, I, I wrote a Necromunda gang uh, for Delac based on the um, Gangs of the Underhive book. Mm-hmm. And my gang's got eight models in it. I could probably cut two or three models off that with some of the new options in here for, yeah. for super elite. A little bit fragile, but potentially very powerful. And I think there'll um, be a very finesse army to play. I was going to ask, I, I mean, the fact that they're just walking around in trench coats, they don't seem to be a very armed warband. No, so they're not, they're not, uh, they're not, you know, they're not packing super high tech armor and stuff. They have got some decent weapons. You can have plasma guns or web guns. They're, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're tough as three humans. They're not like, you know, Goliaths or anything. But they've got all these psychic powers and stuff which can really mess with people. Uh, one, like For example, one of the psychic powers you can take, and there's three different psychic disciplines you can pick from, which is good. That gives you 18 powers to pick. Because you've got a lot of psychers in your, in your warband, it's quite nice that you're not going to be kind of duplicating them across your force. Yeah. One of them, for example, it's a big, it's, it's called, I think it's called Slumber. And there's a big 12 inch kind of like pulse that anyone who's like, you know, you know when you hit zero wins on Necromunda, you're bleeding out and you would have roll to see if you die. Yeah. It's a big kind of like shockwave pulse that they do. Anyone who's down is just taken out of action as they fall into a coma. Oh, <laughs> that's a very strong ability. That's a very, there is a very strong ability. Now, obviously there's risks to casting psychic powers and um, the, the authorities want psychers. So, if, say, you were playing with your Orlocks, Dave, and you were playing against me, if I give my uh, Gangas psychic powers, there will be bounties on their heads. And if you can capture them and take them back alive, you will get rewarded for, for capturing them, giving you a massive boost in the campaign where you can add extra Gangas with that money as well. Well, so that's like something I'm going to have to do. Well, that's it. <laughs> You're quite fragile. So it's quite a risk or reward thing. You can go all in in the psychic powers. Bearing in mind that if your enemy manages to capture some of them and sell them to the slavers, they could be quite a bit wealthier than you, and your psyche is probably um, probably at least brain removed, and this met a uh, untimely end. <laughs> so on to the new stuff, we've got Nap Ghouls, who are the assassins of House Delac. The kit comes with uh, two options: serpent's fangs, which are like punching daggers, and a uh, shiver sword, which is basically a power katana. 
So these are your close combat specialists. They are really, really good at fighting. Uh, weapon skill 2+. plus. Um, they can also be made psychers as well. They've got a base cost of 110 points before you add anything to them, though. So you could easily spend 200 credits on a psychic ninja. But that's like a fifth of your starting gang. Yeah. So I suppose the question is whether you start your gang. And I think, I think the most sensible thing to do is maybe have a couple of them. Uh, and then mostly kind of like juves and, and your gangers. So you've got some bodies. And then over the course of the campaign, once you've got some credits, introduce your cool psychic ninjas and weird gribbly monsters and stuff. Uh, but it's going to be really hard to not just go all out and have all the weird stuff in your initial starting gang. <laughs> because I really want to. Speaking of weird stuff, there's also psygeists who are um, psychers who are kind of like strapped into a psychic rig that enhances their abilities and they kind of float around on this big psychically it basically increases their movement it lets them move across scenery it enhances their psychic powers but again the the cost of them gets really expensive they're 60 points base but you put them in this psychic harness and that's 110 points on top so again before you've really even given him any weapons he again's like a fifth of your gang and i quite like that it kind of Yes, they're going to be powerful with the psychic powers, but you're going to have so few models compared to other gangs. Yeah, you're going to be heavily outnumbered. So, yeah, so I really like that. Obviously, there are options for ghosts, which are your gangers, and shadows, which is your juves. A shadow, for example, is only 25 points. You can only take pistols or close combat weapons, but at least that gives you some bodies on the battlefield. So I think yeah. realistically, we're going to start with your leader. You might be able to buy one or two of those core cool champions with all the tricked out psychic suits and cool psychic power katanas and stuff. But then majority of your gang is going to be these low level juves just to pad it out and give you some bodies, which isn't yeah. necessarily a bad thing in Necromunda as well, because obviously you've got experience and your your juves themselves can um, get promoted into specialists and get their own core cool stuff and I think that's probably what they're pushing there. But if you want to, you can go all out in crazy over-the-top gang. We've also got some cool special characters in here as well, which work like bounty hunters, but only Dalak can hire them. So, for example, there's Calthixis, who um, was a, a famous Dalak bounty hunter um, and assassin, who unfortunately they, they, they pumped him full of psychic drugs because all of the Dalak have got some kind of psychic trait to them. Uh, their connection with whatever creature lives below the planet joins them all together. So even your basic juve, while not a psyker as such, can still communicate with other ones. So the the Dalak tried to experiment with this, with them um, pumping them full of uh, geist, a, a psychic drug that they they basically took over the, the the house that was kind of creating this drug to use yeah. for their own experiments. And um, unfortunately, even the best assassin and mercenary gets killed sometimes. But what they found out, this guy was so pumped full of psychic drugs that his face was still alive. So they <laughs> removed his face and found that when they stitch it to another person's face, they regain the memories of that assassin. And then oh, obviously, awesome, when that dies, they cut it off again and start the whole process again. Like I say, this is a pretty dark book. We might need an age rating on this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got exotic beasts. So we've got... Um, Cephalopod spectres, which are weird psychic, like crabby octopusy, weird gribbly things that are really cool. They've got psychoteric worms, 
which the psychers can use as beacons they can burrow underground so say if your necromunda is quite dense terrain isn't it and there's lots of line of sight blocking yeah. stuff and, and dense corridors and stuff these worms can go underground go underneath scenery then pop up somebody else and then the psychic can use them as line of sight to cast the powers on someone else oh that's cool again the 70 credits so they're really expensive but it means that you can keep your guys back and safe and send forward these worms to do your uh, your bidding your dirty work dirty work yeah so that's cool they also get uh, some unique hangers on so for 90 points you can get a psychoteric thrall this is a member of another house who has um had their consciousness removed that had a load of psychic drugs put into them a load of machinery to keep them uh kind of in the bidding of of house de lac and again they work as um a psychic focal point like the the worms however because they're mutilated gangers from another gang they also have an effect on morale to anybody nearby as well right well that makes sense yeah so and it says it recommends that when when, if you're adding one to your gang take a model from a gang that your opponent plays with and convert it up with some weird kind of like delaki equipment attached to them i was gonna say that's that's that is conversion fodder there isn't it yeah if you've got like a regular gaming group yeah exactly so yeah so like shock shock tactics basically to uh to freak out your opponents they also have um psychers with an s who are um think you know at the end of a kira where his head goes like really big and he kind of turns into a big gribbly like chaos spawn thing yeah yeah think that strapped into a flying harness that then gets thrown forward to use as like a psychic energy battery that fires off spells and stuff. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, they've also got Whisper Merchants, who are um, informants that have had their brain augmented with databanks and stuff so they can record any information. This guy's basically got a PC sticking out of the back of his head because he can <laughs> store all the information in there. Um, they they can be bought by any gang, but Delac get them at a discount. And you can use them six times. Once you've used them six times, they, they then leave. You've got to hire them again. But essentially, it lets you change a dice result to a six when you're determining a scenario, when you're determining what gang members turn up. Because obviously in Necromunda, a random number of gang members will turn up to represent the fact that, you know, it's not a, a, a disciplined army. They're just various gang members in different places. You can also choose um, when you roll for rewards it to be a six as well. So, for example, in some of the scenarios, you'll get, I don't know, D6 times 20 credits. You can use the Whisper Merchant to make that a six, and that pays for itself straight away. Yeah, uh, And you can use that six times. So I quite like stuff like that. They're not necessarily going to appear in the battle, but you'd have to model up a model to represent him anyway. Yeah, a lot of the hangers on are like that, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, and if you get slowly attacked... release them over time. That's right, yeah. And if you get attacked on your territory, obviously, if you, if I was fighting in your territory, I wouldn't bring him along because there's no point. He's better off back at home using his uh, information to get me more money. But if you attacked me, you roll for each of your hangers on, and there's a chance they've been caught unawares and they're in the firefight. Right. So, okay. Yeah, that's really cool. We've got Yagaloth, the Master of Whispers. This is the only person who has met the creature in the centre of Necromunda. And he has gained the ability to turn his corporal form into shadow. Mm. So um, poison has no effect on him. He can disappear and then reappear anywhere on the battlefield. 
he's uh he's pretty cool he again he's always got a bounty on them so i think bounty hunters are gonna love fighting dalak because they're gonna be raking in the money when they can bring <laughs> dragon back kicking and screaming <laughs> but dalak also get a new brute the pissy inspector so this is we mentioned earlier the 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 intelligent race of sea life that lived in necromunda thousands of years ago this is the descendants of that race who's had their brain removed and inserted into a giant, like, um, robotic spider rig thing. And they are absolutely brutal. They are psychic. They can fly. They can go between different levels at will. They've got, like, three wounds and a load of attacks. They're really, really scary, but they cost 205 points, and you can take a maximum of two of them in your gang. That is expensive in Necromunda. Yeah, so that's it. There's there's some really cool stuff you can take, but you're going to have to be careful balancing the, the cannon fodder that you need to get missions done and weird, freaky, alien brain monster. I mean, I'll be taking one because the model's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, that, I mean, it does sound really cool. Like I say, I think when we played uh, a bit of Necromunda, we found a, a lot of those kind of things, and you, you've said it a couple of times during this um, kind of preview of the book. It's kind of stuff you pick up as your game progresses. Um, but yeah, you're going to be very tempted, Matt, to, to start with one of those. I, I could easily do. I, I think I worked out the little, um, the specialist box that Games Workshop very kindly sent us as well. Um, com- you can build two of the Nat Ghouls, two of the Psygeists and the uh, the Spectre out of it. And I think all of that, before you give it any gears, like 800 credits... But it wow. all looked so cool for like, what's that, five models? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's it, isn't it? You know, you've got other gangs like the Corridor who can just go cheap as chips, guy in a loincloth with a flamethrower. And flood the, flood the, um, flood the board. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I quite like him. He makes all the different gangs distinct and you've got to know how to play them, which is good. And obviously, they can take other brutes. They can take... Um, uh what they called ambots they can take um ogrins all the normal stuff we also get hired guns again nothing too different there what we do see however are some new alliances now alliances have been one of my favorite parts of the new edition necromunda where they're minor houses and guilds that you can hire and join with there's benefits for being with them and downsides as well the first one introduced in here is the iron guild so these look out. These basically uh, run the the, the 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 iron refineries, and they run kind of all the weaponry through the planet. Mm-hmm. The um, the the artwork they've got for this guy is really grim. Imagine like an evil Skatari with a banner made out of bullets, who then uses a lobotomized child that's been fixed with a cybotic head, offering guns on platters to their uh, their particular buyers. That is very creepy yeah only yeah, a necromunda it's uh it's it's yeah so so and the, the scary part is they will only work with law-abiding allies they don't work with criminals you know they want that riffraff uh the benefits that you get for being in an alliance with these guys is that the rarity of all weapons is reduced by two so it's more likely you can get those specialist weapons Okay. And also the cost of all weapons is reduced by D3 times 10 credits. That's quite a good so, thing to have. Yeah, really, really good. Um, you can also, because they hire just random scum to fight for them, 
there's a chance that depending on what your gang rating is and this is like a balancing mechanic that they've put in all those house gangs if you've got a low house rating you can get d3 plus two hive scum just added to your gang that take part in the fights they'll just be basic kind of grunts with with you know guns but say if you're a delac gang you might need those grunts just to add as cannon fodder yeah you know if you specialize into your super heavy force there are some drawbacks though um you you um have to give up any say say if you've got spare weapons normally you can keep them on your roster and then you hire somebody new you can give it to them because these guys are basically giving you a good deal on all the materials and guns and stuff you have to give them any excess guns that you've got right so you can't be stockpiling you can't yeah and that, and that kind of works with the discount so you can't buy a load of stuff thinking oh well i'll buy a load of stuff now and then when i get a new guy i can give him a gun that won't work you've got to give them any surplus weapons that you've got right so yeah that's pretty cool there's also the psi syndicate who is a criminal outlaw gang who basically trade in psychic slaves because that's not a grim thing as well you it's get slightly a... less grim than having um slave labor well, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> so these you get a mind locked uh, weird so this is a uh, a psychic slave that's got you remember in star wars where the droids have got the little control thing in them yeah so think that but like a psychic slave um, they will give you one of these they've got psychic powers that might help some of the gangs who are maybe not used to facing a psychic onslaught like the delac have got um that's cool there are some downsides though your entire dream, uh, your entire gang could have nightmares due to the psyche being in their midst and uh if they fail a willpower test they can't take part in the next battle because they're lying awake screaming because again that isn't freaky and unfortunately psychers are outlawed so if you do ally with them there's a chance you could get raided by the authorities and your gang will take injuries as just the inquisition bust in and start shooting you guys makes sense so yeah they're pretty cool as well the final house alliance we've got is house tie they claim they're descendants of the Neon Empire from the ancient Dragal Iron of ancient terror. However, it says in here that they're probably not from ancient Japan and they're just kind of playing to the aesthetic of like porcelain faced um, geisha and, and silk uh, kind of robes and stuff. And they're just kind of playing on that side. They are a noble house who specialize in psychic training they can give your gang members additional psychic powers if they spend time with them and they can um they can give a onimodo coven who is a, a specialist kind of um a team made up of a psyker and a null who uh look really really cool very very ghost in the shell themed you you said it's a bit uh padme from star wars jay yeah <laughs> so think uh i think yeah i think cybernetic geisha i guess uh, one of them is a psycho, one of them is a null, and obviously, if you're not Delac, it might be handy having a null around and a psycho of your own, and maybe send the null deep into their territory to shut down their psychic powers while your own psychic can do stuff. Yeah. Again, there's downsides to that. Um, similar to the other one, your guys will start having nightmares and stuff when the psychic's in the mess, and there's a chance that um, one of your guys ends up shooting himself and giving himself a flesh wound due to the influence of this psyche nearby um also um there's a chance that your opponent's more likely to pick who goes first as well 
just because the lies from this gang spread out and it's easy for your opponent to take advantage of that. So, yeah, I quite like those. It's kind of like a, I guess, a bit of a more of an RPG storytelling element to the Necromunda thing, isn't it? It is. You know, we've got lots of allied gangs yeah. now. I hope that they bring out lots of cool models for them because I absolutely want kind of oriental cyborg psychic warriors in my party. They they have been slowly over the over the course of um, the books. They have slowly been adding some, haven't they? Because I think we've got the Slavers Guild, we've got the Water Guild. Yeah, I think we've got about ten at this point. And with the, the the model that they released last weekend as well, Lady, I forget what her name is. She's a fallen a fallen oh, house lord. Yeah, well, she's actually from it. She's a noble who's fallen, and they kind of like a criminal underworld kind of organization. So oh, I think right. including the ones in here, there must be twelve or thirteen different ones, and I think there's models to represent three of them. Obviously, you can convert your own stuff, but the the models that games which have brought out have been phenomenal for those uh, lesser gangs, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I always like the one from House of Chains, uh, the Goliath one, where you had like basically like a corrupted Imperial Guard general and he had like you could bring in uh cheap kind of soldiers but there was oh, a chance yeah, it's that, yeah. yeah there was a there was a chance that you, your own guys could get called to war um which i really liked yeah and that's what i like about these as well because it, it could have easily been that you pay some credits and you get this really cool stuff but there's pros and cons to each of them and some of the cons are pretty bad yeah. <laughs> so you would decide whether it's worth it or not and uh, yeah, yeah I, I think that's quite fun Obviously, the rest of the book then goes through the various kind of upgrades and powers and stuff that you can give to your Delac. Um, and there's a couple of scenarios in there. We'll go into that in a bit more detail in the in the full write-up, which should hopefully be up in the next couple of days. Obviously, it's only come today, so a couple of days to write that up and do the video. But um, I've got to say, I've really enjoyed what I've what I've seen of this book so far. My, my favourite part of these House of Books has been those the, the lesser gang stuff because it gives us elements of Necromunda that we've not seen before and the yeah. lore as well, really fleshing them out from, you know, the couple of pages that we get about Delac to this whole kind of is it true, isn't it true, weird kind of horror story about their background. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I want um, to read this myself, actually. It's like another sort of story arc in warhammer 40,000. yeah exactly there's also so obviously we know that there's um there's there's new gangs coming as well and there's hints in here about who they could be as well so off uh, here's where I've, I've, I've lost the page with it on but there is if i can find it the immortal court is mentioned who um I, I i don't recall them being mentioned but with some googling the immortal cult is a Zinchian cult from Necromunda who want to bring about the psychic awakening of humanity. So I think that's a very good contender for a new a new uh, guild. Mm. I suppose the question is, is a Zinchian cult too too similar to Delac, who are now very psychic? But then if it's a chaos cult, then you've got demons and stuff and you know yeah, different mutations letters. and things. Yeah, mutations. Yeah, which we haven't really touched on. So. That's a contender. The 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 tribes out in the ash wastes are also mentioned as well. So yeah, there's a lot of ways they can go, and I hope that. I mean, we've seen some really dark and wacky stuff with the uh, the lesser guilds. If they use that, you know, they, they can use that creativity to create an entirely new house with some of that really grim, dark stuff that maybe hadn't even been dreamt of when Necromunda originally came out. Yeah, yeah, the really creepy, creepy stuff. 
so it's the, the, I, I love how dark this book is. It's uh, which makes sense. These are these are these are the these are the shadows that are watching you as you pass. You know, while the other guilds have got like gang hangouts and and you know you know where they are you never quite know where delac are because it could be the guy standing next to you secretly a delac informant yeah it plays off the horror of that so i am super excited i mean i've got a delac gang i need to get these new guys painted and i have about three thousand credits of delac now they've <laughs> all the upgrades they can have so i'm uh, absolutely up for hitting the underhive and uh doing some psychic shenanigans well, hopefully you'll be fighting some Orlocks sooner rather than later, Matt. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can trust in a bolt round to the head rather than psychic powers. You know, that's more reliable. Don't <laughs> Not when I'm rolling dice, Matt. Not when I'm no. rolling dice. <laughs> that's it. Um, I, I will try my very best. Uh, so, yeah, that, that sounds like a, an incredible book. And then, you know, what's even more exciting, you know, as good as the book is, oh, what on earth are we going to get next? Um, it's going to be it's going to be really, really cool. Um, these are like mini codexes, uh, yeah. and they're well worth a read. So, um, so yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, look forward to reading your full write-up when it hits the old com. So keep an eye on uh, our social media for, for when that goes live. That is a look at House of Shadow. We've got our ever-popular top three, and that's coming up next. So for this week's top three, we're, we're opening this up to to not just Warhammer. We wanted to discuss our top three miniature games starter boxes. So it should make for an interesting top three, uh, I think, this week. Um, Matt, do you want to start us off with your third choice? Yeah, well, my third choice is a couple of years old now, but it's still a really good set. And I think it's still available. The Battle of Pelena Fields. I mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier and... Um, Lord of the Rings have been in a strange place for a long time where maybe it hadn't been as supported as it could have been. And then GameSpot brings out this massive box filled with a hardback rule book, an entire Rohan army, an entire army of the dead army, a massive Mordor force and the Witch King on his Nazgul. I mean, I, I, I didn't work out the value of that box before the podcast, but there's an awful lot of miniatures in there. Yeah, there is really yeah. great value. Considering you've got the, the hard, the full hardback rulebook in there as well, it's just, yeah, really, really good. Now, admittedly, some of the models were a little bit older, but I think a lot of the Lord of the Rings stuff sculpted by the Perry twins still stands up now because you know they they had access to all the, you know, original plans and stuff for the Lord of the Rings film, so it was as as true to the film as it could be, I think. Yeah, like those Ro- Riders of Rohan are really old, yet they're still really nice. Hmm. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my third choice, the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Excellent. Good one. Uh, for my third choice, um, I've gone quite old. Um, I have gone for a Warhammer Fantasy starter box, Island of Blood. Oh, so Island box. of Blood was yeah. So you had the High Elves against the Skaven. Now, you know, I, I'm, I'm into the Skaven now. I, I quite like them back then, and I kind of wish i'd still got this box floating around somewhere but it was a great value box you got some you got a mix of like new and old i think um in this box uh, and you also got some unique sprues that we wouldn't ever see released separately uh which was interesting for example it came with a really nice high elf lord on a um it was a griffin wasn't it jay on, on a griffin yeah 
he was actually, I believe, you could use him as like an Elfarian sort of stand-in. Uh, yeah. Everything. Yeah. You had the pla- the only the only place that we've ever had plastic scaven weapon teams. And yep. um, you got a really nice claw lord. And um, yeah, it was a great value box. Plastic and- swords masters. Plastic swords masters. Plastic and sea guards. Yeah, which never got multi-part nope. kits. Um, I mean, I can't remember now, but it, was it quite late in the life cycle? It of was, yeah. Um, so maybe if Warhammer Fantasy had, was going to last a bit longer, maybe we'd have seen some of those kits come out separately. Maybe we'll see imagined for the old world. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But that was a, a great value box. And he didn't... I mean, you guys were probably more into fantasy than I was, but... Did they do many boxes like this for fantasy outside of? There was oh, a box of school packs. Yes, it? so yeah. each each edition had 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 one of those boxes. And to be fair, you know, they they were all good for their time. This is probably one of the better ones. They did um, later re-release that for AOS with round Spire, bases, um, Spire of Spire something or other. Yeah, 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 with some battalions in it, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, uh, a really great great value box uh, with some really nice minis. Uh, Jake, what is your third choice? Uh, my third choice um, is a bit of a bargain, I think. Um, and it's the um, Adeptus Titanicus um, starter set. Yeah, uh, this one nearly made my list, Jay. <laughs> I just think, I mean, when you look at it, it it's just brilliant. You, you, you get four Titans, two Knights, templates, dice, markers, transfers, rule book, scenery. Um, you get your terminals. And, and it's like £90 or something, I think. I think it's quite cheap. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, well, I think it's actually cheaper than that. It's um, you get, and if you get the full, the full rule book, the full revised rule book as well, which is uh, pretty good. Because, like we said in our review of the, the reissued one that they did not so long ago, um, that wasn't strictly speaking a full rule book, was it? Um, so, yeah, so the RRP is £90. You can get this box from uh, Dagfields, which is local to us, £67.50. For the full rules, all the tokens, all the dice, all the cards, two Reavers, two Warhounds and two Knights. I mean, just the Reavers would cost you that. Yeah, it's a bargain, isn't it? It's it's an incredible box, that. Yeah, I'm I'm still very tempted by this. But then they go and release... Load of stormcast dragons and stuff, and I'm like, how, how, you know, how do, how does how does one split one's wallet in half? So um, yeah, uh, really good value box that. Uh, we're round to our second choices, guys. So what is yours, Matt? Well, I've gone for a non-games workshop one to mix things up a little bit, and I think this might even be on your list, Dave. Marvel Crisis Protocol. I think if I bought it, it, it probably would have been actually, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Marvel's Crisis Protocol is from Atomic Mass Games, and it is a skirmish Marvel superheroes uh, game. The, the start box has all the rules that you need, all the tokens. It also comes with some buildings, with some cars, with some kind of like scenery and 10 characters. And it's worth saying that I think they're 35 mil figures, so they're quite big, chunky figures, big scale, really, really detailed. I think the individual figures cost between te- uh, 20 and 30 pounds if you're buying like the individual boosters mm-hmm. in the core box, which I think is about 70, 80 pounds off the top of my head. You get Spider-Man, you get Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Red Skull, Crossbows, Baron Zemo, Captain America, Black Widow, Dr. Octopus and Ultron. 
So a nice assortment of Marvel superheroes for everyone. Now, arguably, some of those have been updated with newer models since. So there's a couple of different Spider-Man models now. There's a different Black Widow model. Um, but the way the way the way it works, each model's got its own stack cards, and there's a deck of cards that you can then use to to build your powers. And st- think classic Fantasy Flight style game where it's all about the cards. But I think Atomic Mass have done it better than Fantasy Flight, and they've they've supported it quite a lot and tried to balance it. I've got to say yeah. that the scenery that they've brought out for this is amazing. You've got um, Doctor Strange's Sanctum in in New York as a massive 35 mil scale building. You've got New York apartment buildings. Um, I think I put this on the list really because that. I mean, 70, 80 pounds is quite a lot considering you get 10 models, but the 10 big models and you can realistically play a game with just this box. Yeah. So I think because of that, I thought it was a really good buy. Yeah, I've still got my eye on this. Um, We should try and have a game, Matt, soon. Uh, I think that Mm. might really like push to to push me to get it. Um, But yeah, really, a really good, um, really good starter box. That really nice selection of characters. Uh, my second choice, um, I, I think it's going to be a popular one. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see what our um, community have chosen later on in the podcast. Uh, it's quite a recent one. It came out for Warhammer 40k. It is Indomitus. So you had Space Marines versus Necrons. You had a whole bunch of new models in here. Um, it was a fantastic value box. Flew off the shelf so much that they, uh, they had to bring it back from made to order. Um, what a great box. It yeah. was brilliant. The the, the the all push fit yeah all blows me away fit. every time I, whenever I pick up my ultramarines and I think these are push fit models so oh man yeah it's uh, and it was incredible value um even more so when they kind of put the exclusive contents on the Warhammer web store as a box and yeah it really made Indomitus look uh, cheap as chips um and it really fired me up to get an Ekron on me as well which um mm. i've been having inklings this past few weeks that i want to kind of press on with but i'm i'm waiting for the imperium magazine to drop and, and then I'll, I'll get back on the necron bandwagon but uh, a great box i expect it's quite popular in community top three as well uh jay what is your second choice um so my second choice i'm uh, it's not a game switch game it's um infinity by uh Corvus belly uh, i love this game it's really cool i suppose it's comparable in a way to Necromunda but without the sort of legacy campaign system um, but it's that small scale quite um, D20 dice and skirmish game it's a lot of fun um, and Infinity um, oh man they must do two or three of these a year I think well maybe not maybe two a year something like that um, start boxes where you get two two they'll they'll do a, a refresh of a faction or they'll add a, a new sub faction to an existing sort of faction um, and they'll release two of these new factions in the starter box um so i I think you get like maybe seven or eight models up for for, for each um faction and these will all be new sculpts as well um in addition to um some terrain some scenery all your markers and um uh, rulers uh, a gaming mat to play on a little pamphlet with all of the um, stat lines and whatnot for these models and some um scenarios to play through um it's normally around the £100 mark, I think, so it's not super cheap, um, but it's a great way to um, get into Infinity, you and a friend. Yeah, it's worth noting uh, they're all metal models as well. It's, it's yeah. the equivalent of a battle box, and, and a force is a lot smaller in Infinity as well, isn't it? 
yeah, I think I think from memory you get about 150, 200 points, whereas you know your, your full scale Infinity games are around 300 points. So um, you get a nice selection of models. And but there's there's been so many of them. So I think the the most recent one that you could buy was Operation Calstrom, which was set on a um, I believe it was set on like a, a planet covered in ice, and a lot of the models had like um, uh, big uh, jackets and whatnot on and uh, over their armor. Um, and then I think currently out now or up for pre-order at the moment is another one crimson stone which um pits two other factions these um the ariadnans and the um nomads against each other um so yeah so 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 i brought a few over the years uh so that's my second choice i think they're um that they are incredible sculpts like i love the the sort of real anime style yeah um well a lot of them are really anime style aren't they um i think the, the reason i couldn't really get into infinity uh and this is purely down to personal is is the scale like i think you know there's a lot of detail there and that they, they are quite small models aren't they yeah they're yeah the more 25 mil scale aren't they where i suppose where marvel crisis protocols bigger and more exaggerated these are more in line with maybe middle earth if you want a yes workshop equivalent you're right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. excellent uh, we're round to our top choices, uh, gents. So, uh, Matt, enlighten us of yours. So this was really hard, and there's probably some honourable mentions that will probably come up in your list. You know, Indomitus is a great box. Dominion's a great box. Some of the classic boxes games actually would have been really good. But I think from a, from a value for money point of view, I had to pick Necromunda, Dark Uprising, just because of the amount of stuff that was in this box. So you know you got the you got the full rules. You got a a unique campaign to that box as well. With um, basically represents the first half of the campaign. Things are going well. Suddenly at the midpoint, all food runs out on the planet, and then things go to hell very quickly in the second half, which we should really play through because that sounds really fun. It does, and yeah, again, it does. grim and dark in an extra way, as we've already established in this podcast. It's not a very nice place to live, especially yeah. when the food runs out. And to represent that, there's basically the 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 food producers. If you don't know. The, the 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 food that's generally eaten on the planet corpse starch is made out of people and um, one of the factions in the box are the corpse grinders who were basically the people who work in the abattoirs making this food who unbeknownst to them hacking up dead bodies is a conduit to corn would you have guessed so <laughs> uh, um, it, it, uh, these are the creepiest chefs you're ever going to see they really are. They really are. So when 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 the uh, proverbial hits the fan, they pick up all their various kind of bone grinding tools and form essentially a corn cult that goes running rampant in the in the underhive. Against these, there's only one thing to do: call in the police. So the uh, the enforcers, who are basically the uh, yeah, essentially the police of of Necromunda, who get called out of their precinct to deal with the nutcases murdering the populace. And again, these were really nice models as well, with some kind of more classic enforcer style, some with like riot shields and stuff. And again, really really nice models. But then I think the real kind of selling point of this box is that I think you got over the over the cost of the box itself in scenery his own mortalis scenery so this is the multi-level stuff it's all modular you can use it with horus heresy we've used it in games of 40k it's probably one of the best scenery kits that they put out just due to the innumerable ways you can put it together i actually picked up i think i bought two copies of this plus somebody was selling the scenery out of a third one cheap to give me enough scenery to make 
whatever Necromunda layouts that I want. Um, if I'd have bought all that stuff separately, it would have cost a lot more than I paid for it. So I think from a value for money thing and a self-contained this is Necromunda, because the scenery is very much a part of Necromunda as well. And I think the previous starter box that they did, it, it was 2D, wasn't it? There was no there was no 3D scenery. It was just tiles. They have stopped Dark Uprising, sadly, and it's been replaced by another starter box. It is a lot cheaper, though, and it comes with a decent amount of scenery to get going. And it's got Escher and Delac in there as well, which is arguably maybe a better entry point for people new to the game as well, rather than the, you know, the the, the Corpse Grinder culture pretty much entirely close combat and the uh, the enforcers are, are more of a i guess an elite force so you've got two more kind of generic-ish gangs uh, in the new box but i think dark uprising pips it to the post just with the amount of scenery that was in the box yeah i think i think that is an absolutely uh, fantastic choice and you you're not wrong when you say that the scenery really makes necromunda but we've only had a couple of games here before covid hit matt um, and we played on your Zone Metallic board, and it really made it immersive. The fact you yeah. got all these levels and you're going through corridors, it was really good fun. Um, it was really, really enjoyable. Um, so, yeah. I, you know, it also made me think, as you were talking then, we should do a top three worst jobs. Uh, did, we, did we do this, actually? Yeah, I think we've done top, top three, three worst, worst jobs, jobs in Because yeah, yeah. um, the role of an enforcer, I mean, it doesn't get much harder than that, does it? Trying to keep order and the hives it's it's not it's not a job i'd want to do it's a tough gig isn't it yeah. <laughs> it's a very tough gig uh my top choice i really wanted to go with something that wasn't games workshop but i, I think because i've been so heavily invested in warhammer recently i i couldn't seem to think of any uh off the top of my head i was going to ask you jake before the podcast and completely forgot a long time ago we played war machine and I'm pretty yeah. sure we got into that virus starter box. Um, I think we did, yeah. But I, I couldn't for the life find it on online, so I decided it wouldn't be on top three. But that would definitely be an honourable mention if I could remember what the contents were. But I'm, I believe you got some, you call Sig, Signar? Signar? Sig, Signar, I think, yeah. Signar. Sigma. <laughs> yeah, Signar, I think they were. Yeah, like electric. Yeah. Whilst I had the more sort of steam-driven Russian big juggernauts, yeah. uh, uh, not Carajons, they're uh, steam dwarfs, um, but a very similar name, Cade uh, Cat. I don't know. Anyway, that that would have been an honourable mention. So carrying on, my first choice. I've kept it Warhammer. It's a very recent release. It was Dominion. Yeah. So I mean, the, 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 what really sells this to? Well, there's a few things that sell to me, but the fact. It's two factions I love. So I love the Oric War Clans. I love my angels um, and, and my bone spotter elements. So obviously having the new Cruel Boys and their differing look, you know, they do look quite uh, unique compared to the Orcs we've seen so far. And then you also get these absolutely. I mean, I like the, you know, I like the old Stormcast. Um, I know they can come in to a bit of criticism like the old Liberators and stuff, but I really like them. But honestly, the Thunderstrike armor is just stunning absolutely stunning every model in this box um maybe bar the hobgrots I, I was never really super sold on those um but everything else was amazing a really great value box you obviously got the limited edition uh core rules as well um which is really good 
Um, and it and it was a great value box as well. Uh, uh, yeah, a f- a fantastic box. What a way to bring in a new edition of Age of Sigmar uh, and open up this sort of Age of Monsters as well. So, yeah, Dominion, it had to be my number one. Uh, Jake, do you want to finish stuff with your top choice? I'm cheating in my top choice. Ooh. I'm just I'm going to claim I didn't get the didn't get the memo, but I'm cheating. So okay. my number one top starter set is a starter set that isn't even out yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I know okay. it's coming. I know it's coming. And it's not it's not Age Sigma Dragons or that 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 would be an epic starter set, wouldn't it? To be fair, it it's um it, it it's a starter set with its um foundations about ten thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, some 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 event that happened in the in the I can't, it's only a small event really the the siege of terror, the Horus Heresy, mm-hmm. and uh, we've caught glimpses of. Um, well, we've been this last year. If you think back to the online previews we've had, we've been shown new Praetor models, Space yeah. Marine Praetors, special characters for different legions, and we're like, well, why are these? It's a bit strange that these are just being sort of drip fed to us you know there's not really been much going on in the Horus Heresy series for a while now I'm okay we've got the Black Library series going on but on the rules side not really and then we saw that image leaked a few months back of the um, plastic Spartan new tactical marines since then we've had some new Sons of Horus characters there's an Imperial Fist Praetor on the way Um, so we know at some point this year we're going to get treated to a Horus Heresy starter set um, with a plastic Spartan. So we'll put a little disclaimer here. We assume it's a plastic Spartan. We assume that picture is the new starter set, but it probably yeah. is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I think I'll, I'll, I forget off the top of my head. I think roughly in that image, you've got twenty Marines of two different armor types. I want to say there's definitely beaky army in beaky armor in there, which is amazing. I love that. That's a throwback to Rogue Trader. I think there's five Terminators, two characters, plus a Spartan and a new modular Contemptor. Yeah. I mean, that, if you were buying the resin kits, that's a lot of moolah. Um, with, I, I, again, I've got a feeling this might come in that Dark Uprising box. Forge World, of, there's been three, well, two games so far in that size box, hasn't there? The Grandmaster edition of uh, Adeptus Titanicus, which came with like two Warlord Titans and a load of scenery. Um, obviously Dark Uprising to come in that big box and it wouldn't surprise me if Horus Heresy comes in that size box as well yes, that'd be really just from cool. the number of frames that'd be in there which probably puts it closer towards the £150-£175 mark rather than the £100 mark that we get from most of the, the Games Workshop games honestly if those contents are true that's still a bargain if it contains a rule book as well yeah yeah it's you know, a Spartan's yeah, about £105, I think. Getting in as well. yeah. yeah, I think we worked out that it was roughly a 1,400-point heresy army if you just used all the combined contents for one for one force. Buy, a, you know, a Primarch and a couple of unique units, and you've got a full army there. Yeah. yeah. Exciting times. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Now, obviously, we don't know. <laughs> this hasn't officially been announced yet. No, I was cheating. Uh, specialist game stuff tends to come out on Black Friday. Uh, the last, however many releases have come out on that slot, because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good day for for businesses, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, the the smart money's on Heresy Starter Box pre-order Black Friday, which is the 20-something of November. So not far off. So we should hopefully see it in a preview soon. Hope so. Yeah, I, I think that would fire me up for, for Heresy, I think, um, picking up that box. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll potentially to be a, a very good um, start set for, for Heresy. Excellent. Some really good choices there. Like you said, Matt, there's there's, there's been so many start boxes. I think my memory failed me uh, for this top three, even though I've had all week to think about it. Um, but yeah, really spoiled for choice. It'll be interesting to see what the community have decided to go for. So that to me sounds like a segue into our final segment of the podcast. So we'll be right back. So which starter sets have you guys uh, enjoyed over the last few years? Starting over on Facebook, Josh Upton, his third choice is Assault on Black Reach. That was um, the Ultramarines versus Tyranids, wasn't it? I think the best thing about that box... Oh, no, it wasn't. Assault on Black Reach was the Orcs, wasn't it? No, sorry, you're right. Well, the best thing about that box was those Death Copters. Honestly, of all the Orcs stuff we've seen, the fact that those plastic Death Copters are finally in a multi-part kit almost sold me on orcs straight away because I, <laughs> I i love those models i think they're ace um i'm thinking of what was the ultramarines versus it was battle from a crag but of course it was quite, yeah quite obvious with the uh crash to kilo lander and yeah. the yeah. Pirate. yeah yeah that was really cool um his second choice um is kill team octarius which isn't actually out yet but we know is on uh, uh the, the horizon uh and his top choice is the original Warcry starter set that was a good uh, set with all the scenery and the two warbands in, yeah. Some fantastic scenery, true. yeah. Uh, David Anderson, his third choice was the Isle of Blood for Warhammer. Great choice. His second choice would have been probably my fourth choice, Dark Imperium, um, which pitted the, the, the new look sort of Death Guard uh, against the Primaris Marines. Uh, mm-hmm. And his top choice, which isn't a Games Workshop one, was Black Powder 2nd Edition Waterloo. It's great value for money and introduced the world of Na- Na- Napoleonic wargaming at a very good price point. That's something you've dabbled in, Matt. Uh, yeah, so I, I this this box is, I think RRP is about, oh, I don't know, it's, it's not that expensive, but I think I got it from, from the same hobby shop that we mentioned earlier. I think for about £35. Mm. and i've got like hundreds hundreds of figures that that the built just need painting um you know if you think that's a couple of boxes or sometimes even one box essentially yeah. two armies and the entire rule book really yeah. good buy and the models aren't quite you know they're, they're nowhere near as detailed as what you'd get from games workshop but i guess when you've got hundred literally hundreds of models on the table you don't want to worry about the detail too much i guess absolutely not no no uh, what do we have over on Twitter, Matt? So just this guy, you know, it says Dominion, Shadow Wars Armageddon, which contained the first place where the Sector Mechanica scenery was in. Yeah. It was a really good set. And Warhammer 4th Edition. So this had um, elves with spears like fighting it. goblins with spears, and it came with a cardboard Grom the Paunch. And my memories of this edition of Warhammer are my hand bleeding from all the spears that got impaled into it. Um, Pete Allison, Gorkamorka. Gorkamorka was an amazing box. It came with a big cardboard orc fort. So I'm really excited to see if he can create something like that using the kill team scenery, which is a bit of a spiritual successor of it. Uh, the Battle of Five Armies, which was a game based on Warmaster, 
with 10 millimeter uh, middle earth armies never played it always fancied getting it yeah um and necromunda dark uprising local average painter says dominion uh, a song of ice and fire starks versus lannister this is something i've been uh, tempted with as well jay yeah i was looking at it on saturday at the um expo uh, i'm the same uh, especially when you look at the quality models that duncan puts out and uh, duncan's a bad influence for these things it isn't is, he yeah. <laughs> uh, and then battle from the crag uh, mostly for nostalgia reasons the crash lander was great uh tam says the adeptus sonica starter set kill team and uh, island of blood uh vincent notley says the adeptus sonica starter set Aeronautica, Skies of Fire, and Soul Wars. Soul Wars was a good set. I'd say Dominion's better. But Soul oh, Wars yeah. has some really cool stuff, like the Evocators, stuff we saw for the first time. Uh, Big Boss uh, says Aeronautica, Wings of Vengeance, which is the other starter set for it. The Adeptus Titanicus Grandmaster Edition, and Speed Freaks. Yeah, Speed Freaks was a great box if you're an Orc player. Uh, George Lowe, Dark Imperium for the Plague Boys. Indomitus and the Battle of Pelena Fields. Glorious Badger goes old school with Mordheim, which came with cardboard like city houses and two uh, modular gangs where you could give them all different war gear. Think Necromunda, but set in Warhammer Fantasy. And um, Space Hulk, but also Mordheim. And Necromunda Dark Uprising, but also Mordheim. <laughs> I imagine, imagine if we got specialist games doing more time maybe when the old world's out yeah. with modular city buildings that are built similar to the uh, the zone mortalis stuff with different faces and stuff you could yeah. put on them that would be it'd be amazing wouldn't it yeah would be really good nevermore says the first war cry box diachasm and soul wars um felix wright says marvel crisis protocol adeptus titanicus and indomitus and mod hail says battlefleet gothic Yes, that was amazing. Necromunda 2017. So that was the original one. It was cheaper. It came with the Goliaths and the Eshers and the rule book, um, but didn't come with any scenery. But it was a cheaper price point. And then he's also said Necromunda 1995, which I believe came with Goliaths and Orlocks and that card scenery that had plastic bulkheads to lock it all together. Oh, That's yeah. an old school shout, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, yeah, some really fun stuff from the community there today. Excellent, excellent. Some really good suggestions. Um, Matt, what is next week's top three? Well, if you tuned into the painting stream at the weekend, uh, me, Jay and Andy were talking about the oldest Games Workshop model still available. And we thought there's some there's still some cool models out there. So we want to know your top three classic models uh, they might be they might be OOP now that's fine basically your your favorite old school 90s models excellent so you can get your choices in early via social media um tweet to us at spruce and bruise or facebook.com forward slash bruise and bruise uh, we normally put a tweet or message out uh, on either the sunday or monday of the day of podcasting so you can also get your choices lodged onto there it's been great having you back this week jay hey it's been awesome yeah i've missed the podcast Excellent stuff. So, um, yeah, that that wraps us up for another week of talking about Warhammer. Um, We will be back again next week for some more Warhammering. Uh, Who knows what our main segment is going to be next week. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Until then, then, have a great week of hobby. And we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 
Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews.